Well, good morning. I know it says Pastor Todd Helmkamp up here, and I am not Pastor Todd. Um, we were in this series on uh, Keys to the Kingdom, and I asked him if there was a particular key that, was, that God was working on in his heart, uh, and he said yes, and I said, would you preach on it? And he said, okay, and today was the day, and he is under the weather today, so I get to do whatever preacher hates to do, preach from somebody else's notes. So it was a couple years ago. Uh, I read Stephen Ambrose's book, D-Day. Uh, it's a fascinating account of the uh, invasion of Normandy uh, in World War II. And uh, he, he breaks it down. It's, it's, uh, it's not just a report on what happened. It's the actual stories of the men who were there and experienced that. And he follows one particular uh, unit, uh, and he talks about you know, the things that they they did on that day, how they had conquered it. And one thing that stuck in my mind is when they were in training in England before that invasion, everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They were assigned a mission. This particular group was going to take out a bridge. Another particular uh, group was going to take out a, a big cannon, artillery, going to take that out. Everybody knew exactly what they were going to do. But once the bullets and the shells started flying, everybody's mission kind of got altered. But they never forgot their assignment. When they recovered from whatever thing had just happened, they remembered what they were to do. They were to move toward this bridge. Which Where is the bridge? Where is it? We don't know anymore. We're lost. We're confused. But everybody knew, this is my task. This is my assignment. I can't get sidetracked. I have to stay focused on that. So Pastor Todd shows as his key mission. What is our mission? If we don't know what our mission is, then we're going to flounder. We're just going to wander around. We're going to trip and stumble and fall for every pitfall that comes along the way if we don't know what our mission is. But if we know what our mission is, every time we fall down, we get back up and we know where we're going because we have a mission. So the question for us is, what is our mission, and how do we accomplish it? So that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, here, here's the first point. If you want to take notes, we got three of these main points. Number one, the church has a mission. You individually have a mission, and you'll spend the rest of your life, just like me, trying to figure out what is that mission and how has God just tweaked it a little bit so we can accomplish our personal mission. But the church, together, has a mission. We do, and we have to work together toward that mission, no matter what our gift is, no matter what our lot in life is, we have to work toward that common vision. So here's the mission. It comes from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus gave us this mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The command here, let's let's not get confused on the strategy. The mission is to go and make disciples. That's the mission. Go make disciples. How you do that is by baptizing people 
and teaching them how to live their life. Baptizing people and teaching them isn't the mission. It's the strategy on how to accomplish the mission, which is to go, therefore, and make disciples. Make followers. That's the instruction. And we, we are humans. We get petrified. We're paralyzed when we think we're supposed to go outside and tell somebody about Jesus. It just terrifies us. We're afraid we're going to be rejected. And nobody wants to be rejected. So we don't do the mission. What we want to talk about today is how we're going to accomplish that mission. How do we do that? And Jesus says, I am with you. Even to the end of the age. No matter how bad it gets, I'm going to be right there with you. No matter how tough it is, I'm going to be right there with you. He's promised to always go with us. He lives on the inside. He lives down inside of us. And wherever I take my body, he goes with me. This is good news. These are the final instructions Jesus gave his disciples. And if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's speaking to you. This hasn't expired when the disciples all died. The discipleship continues. Disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Generation after generation. Our job is to make disciples. And we need to go where people are that need that. Why does Jesus give us this assignment? Because we all tend to get introverted. We turn inward. We study the Bible not to learn how we can make disciples of other people, but how we can get blessings for ourselves. We want to know, what does the Bible say for me? How can I be successful? How can I be an overcomer? It's, it's about us. But the truth of the matter is, if we would be a part of God's mission, all these other things would just fall into place. Yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Instead of chasing the things, we need to chase the mission. And all those things will fall into place. So the church has a mission. That's number one. Here's number two. Why does mission matter? I mean, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus died on the cross. I've accepted him. He paid for my sin. I'm going to heaven. Why does it matter that I'm on a mission? Why, does, why is that significant? Three things. Number one, because Jesus said to do it. In John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Yes. Love is more than goosebumps and feelings. Love is a commitment. This is the word agape. Agape means unconditional love. Jesus was all about helping us be better people. He wasn't all about feelings for us. Matter of fact, I've, I've found out his, his feelings for me aren't always very pleasant. Sometimes God gets very upset with me. Anybody, anybody else like that? I mean, I just, I just sense uh, he's expecting more of me than what he's getting. If you love Jesus, do what he says. Do what he told you. What did he tell us to do? Go make disciples. That's the mission. We need to go and do it. We need to stop being afraid. We need to stop being, let's call it what it is, cowards. Isn't that what it is when we're afraid to do something so we don't do what we're supposed to do? We're cowards. 
God, give us courage. Give us boldness. If you love Jesus, do what he says. Jesus said to him. Here's the second reason mission matters. Because it's God's plan for man. It's his plan for man. If, uh, if somebody hadn't told me that Jesus really did love me, that he had a plan for my life, I would have never known it. I would have never known it. I thought I was my own God. I thought I was the, my setting my own destiny. I didn't know God had a destiny for me. I didn't know that. But somebody told me that and told me that again and told me that again. Who's going to tell the people you're praying for? Who's going to help those people? There's a series of scriptures in the book of Romans that we sometimes call the Romans Road. Romans Road to Salvation. It's stepping stones along the path. Steps that we can't miss one. We have to put them all together. Here's the first stepping stone on the Romans Road. It's Romans 3.23. He says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Don't, don't, don't sit, sit and keep polishing your halo trying to look good. All have sinned. That's you. That's me. That's Billy Graham. That's Mother Teresa. That's everybody that's ever walked on this earth. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. We're all sunk. We're all desperately in need of a Savior. Of a redeemer. Yes. Here's the second stone on the Romans road. It's in Romans 6.23. Where it says for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages and gifts are two different things. Yes. The typical person tries to earn their way to heaven. We've got to. Turn over a new leaf. We've got to do things different. We've got to do this. We've got to do that to somehow earn this salvation. But he just told us that salvation is a gift. Come on. A gift cannot be purchased. The minute you purchase it, it ceases to be the gift. Amen. A gift is free. You can do nothing for it. Well, that doesn't mean it's free. Somebody had to pay for it. Come on. Just like free stuff you might get in the mail or when... When, when you go to the, the, through the industrial tent at the county fair, if we ever get to do that again, they give you free stuff. Nothing's free. If somebody's giving stuff away free, somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to pay for this. If, we, if salvation is a free gift, it's because Jesus Christ paid it for us. And we cannot earn it. And we have to receive the gift. If we don't receive the gift... Sorry, we don't have it. Have to receive it as a gift. Here's the third thing. It's, this is in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you and I were still sinners, while we were still in our rebellion, when we were still in our doubt, when we were still in our 
sinful attitudes and acts. While we were still there, Christ died for me. He didn't wait till I repented. He didn't wait till I turned over a new leaf. He just did it. He took the first step. This is why we should love him. It's not because of what we did. It's because of what he did. And I was in in debt and he paid my debt. Nobody else could have. But he paid it. This is good news. Everybody say, ought to say amen. Amen. And here's the fourth stone in the Romans road. Romans 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise. Declare and believe. You have to declare it. Make some kind of a declaration. Some people say, well, that's being, that's being baptized. Other people say, that's, that's, uh, that's standing in front of a congregation and making some kind of statement to them. You got to declare it, but declaring it all by itself doesn't get you anywhere. Believing all by itself doesn't get you anywhere. You have to declare and believe. Both of those things go together. It's a package deal. You can't have both. You got to speak it out. A thing that a lot of folks are afraid to do. And you have to believe it in your heart. Just something you have to have down in there. Got to believe it. And if you do, then you got salvation. You got to put those two together. And here's another one I'm going to add on. Romans 5.1. This kind of culminates everything in, in, in the journey. Therefore, since... We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? Because it comes through Jesus Christ. You're not going to find peace with God any other way. We, you and I, we don't go around in our religious practices uh, trying to appease an angry God. That's not what our faith is about, appeasing an angry God. That's what a lot of other religions are based on. God's angry, I've got to somehow appease him. But we Christians understand God's angry because we're sinners. And Jesus paid the price. He satisfied God's anger. Hanging on the cross, Jesus, the Son of God, looked up in the heavens and he cried out and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason God had forsaken him at that moment is because he had absorbed into himself all the sin of mankind. Your sin, mine, was a personal thing. Unless someone understands the Romans road, They have no hope. They're like a dog or a cat. They live their life, and when they die, they're gone. But humans have a soul inside of us. The soul is destined to live forever. My body's going to die like a dog or a cat, but I have a soul that's connected to God. And when I die, they're going to have a funeral, and everybody's going to come and shed a tear because... I look so good in that casket. Nobody ever says how good I look outside. When I get in that casket, everybody's going to talk about how good I look. Look so peaceful. The peace comes from Jesus. 
I'm not going to be in that casket. Nobody's putting me in the ground. My soul, my personality is going to be with Father God. That's where I'm going to be. That's good news. Somebody had to tell me that. I couldn't discover that on my own. Somebody had to plant seeds in my mind. Okay, here's, here's the third reason why this why mission matters. Because God works through us. God must have a lot of faith in us because he doesn't do anything except through us. He doesn't, I've learned, he doesn't do anything except through us. If I pray, he'll answer my prayer. If I take an action step, he'll go with me, he'll prosper that, and he'll make something happen. But if I don't do anything, he just sits back waiting on me, wondering why I don't do something. You see, God is, God is a spirit, and we are the hands and feet. We are the flesh. We are the body of Christ. We're the ones that do what Christ does. If we don't, it doesn't get done. So this is why mission is important. God works through us. So God must be relying on people like us. I wouldn't want to work through somebody like me. That was in Pastor Todd's notes, by the way. Would you trust you for a mission of this magnitude? I wouldn't. But he's made us born again. We've been renovated. We've been transformed. We're not what we used to be. We are on this mission, and it's exciting. Pastor Todd had a dream, told me the dream, had this dream sometime back where he was, uh, he was in a, a MASH unit. How many of you have ever watched the, the TV show MASH? You know what that is. It's a military hospital where people who've been wounded come in and they doctor them back to health. When they get back to health, they can go back out into battle. But he noticed that there were people there who were really sick. And... and the people in the MASH unit were doctoring them and helping them get their strength back. And when they got healthy, they just sat around the hospital. Nobody wanted to go back out in the battlefield and bring in the wounded soldiers. Nobody wanted to bring any more in. Everybody wanted to sit around the hospital because it felt so good. You see where the dream's going? Once we get nursed to health in the MASH unit, we need to get back out there because we're on a mission. And we can't drop the ball on this mission. This is important. Okay, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15, Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, I read this, but I'm reading it again, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then we're going to read on to verse 10. For it is with with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Somebody's got to take the good news. Somebody's got to take this word. Somebody's got to, got to give somebody else this hope. Somebody has to do it. Who's going to do that? The typical church answer is, well, we have a pastor. We pay the pastor to do that. I don't have relationships with the people who are lost like you do. They'll listen to what you say. They'll be suspicious of everything I say. So we all have to do this together. Yes. Amen. Church is like a headquarters. We come together, we get our batteries recharged. We get our marching orders and we go out and we do it. Yes. This is not the end of the game. Well, I went to church. Serve God today because I went to church. And we serve God when we leave the church. And we go find somebody that's in need and we help encourage them, help lift them up. So we have to go. We have to. We don't have a choice. I don't have to, I don't have to be in a big public meeting like this. But I have to share the good news with somebody. Have a have a good friend, Nita and I do, uh, who lives in Fort Wayne. He, uh, at one point, he wanted me to be a mentor to him, and I did, instilled some spiritual value in him. Uh, today, he's able to, he made, he's made arrangements with the employer, he can work from home. Isn't that great when you work from home? Get paid the same? They decided because of this COVID-19 thing, they're not going to put their kids in public school this year. They're going to homeschool them. Okay, nothing wrong with homeschooling. They don't go to the store for anything. They order everything online, drive into the parking lot at Kroger, and they bring the food out and put it in the trunk for them. They don't have to deal with anybody. Now, I ask you, where is the Great Commission in that? These are professing Christians. Where's the Great Commission? Who are they touching? They don't want to touch anybody because they're scared. I don't believe that's people who have their eye on the mission. We've got to understand what is our mission, and we've got to carry it out. I've got to move on. Here's number three, the third point. We have been sent, already been sent. We may not be going, but we've been sent. You know what being sent is? That's when somebody sends you out. They release you. Jesus sent his disciples out. In John chapter 17, verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And the typical Christian saying, Well, he's he's talking talking about his 12 disciples, not talking about me. Two verses later, He's talking about all the future disciples that come along. 
Two verses later, 1720. Check it out when you get home. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. He says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We have a ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring back together. Reconcile, bring it together. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We should be actively involved in bringing husbands and wives back together again. Children and parents back together again. <clears throat> Lost people back together with God. Yes. We bring things back together. Satan divides and runs off. God brings things back together. And if I have the Spirit of God inside of me, I need to be a part of doing that. <clears throat> ministry of reconciliation because we are official ambassadors for Christ. So where is our mission field? Good question. Where's your mission field? Where's the mission field of the church? We typically think of mission as foreign mission. You got to go to some foreign country and then you, on. you're on the mission field. Come on, Pastor. Preach it. But what, well, what we're reading right here is that our mission field is in our own backyard. Yes. It's where we work. It's, yes. it's where we we live. It's our family. It's our neighbors. It's the people in our community. Pastor Todd tells a story that uh, uh, in the first semester we had of our school of ministry, <clears throat> one of the assignments all the students had was they had to put, they had to, uh, not just, it wasn't just academic, they had to put so many hours of ministry in. And there was this, this one lady in the group that says, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I am so busy. I have so much doing. I don't have time to, to pick up another ministry in the church. Pastor Todd said, well, what do you do with that time? Because she wasn't working, didn't have a paid job. What do you do? And she started going through the line of all the responsibilities she had. She was doing this. She was doing that. It wasn't in a church, but she was serving somewhere else. Always serving, doing this, doing that. And he said, ministry isn't something you do in the church. It can be, but it can also be doing it somewhere else. Yes. And that's what she was doing. She didn't have time to add anything more to it, but she was doing He said, write that down. Write that down. This is what you did. This is how you put so many hours doing this, so many hours doing that. Did you realize that you can... Be engaged in this ministry of reconciliation outside of the church? Come on, Pastor. In your community, volunteering yes. here, there, somewhere else? That's all ministry. Matthew chapter 25, verses 37 through 40 says, Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? 
When did we see you sick or in person and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If we want to serve Jesus, how do we do that? Just look around you. Just look around you. When you do it for the least of these, the least, the ones who can't pay you back, when you do that, you did it for me. It all adds up on the list of things that we're going to be rewarded for one day when we get to heaven. So serve someone wherever you go, the grocery store, Kroger, your job, find someone and act like you're Jesus in their life. Do something to encourage them and help them on what they're doing. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, and this is the last scripture I'll share. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, let your light shine. Don't just hide out. I mean, that, that's the traditional Christian way of doing things. We hi- Even when we go to church, we hide out inside the building. And when we go out, we stop acting like we're Christians at all because we don't want to be rejected. We want to be accepted by everybody. Oh, I got a man. There's, uh, we had the lady years ago when we were in the little building, we had this lady. Name was Becky. I'm not, that's all I'm going to say. And Becky, uh, she was a little bit of a, how do I say it? A little, little bit different. Dressed different. Acted different. You could tell her the answer and she would turn around and ask you the question again. Just didn't quite get it. But when she came into our church, we accepted her. We made her feel like she was a part. And every time she came up with the same request she had last week, we'd pray for it again because we wanted to see her grow. I think that's, that's what the church needs to be. Come on. I remember when I was long lost, living in my world of darkness, that Steve Hauser came to me Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Told me that Jesus loved me. And I thought, yeah, right. Look at my life. Look at what, look at, look at what Jesus is doing for me. But he didn't stop. He kept it up. I discovered that if I'd swear at him, he'd shut up. So I'd swear at him a couple times, and he'd back off. Wouldn't you know it? Tomorrow night, he'd be right back at it again, telling me how much Jesus loved me. Because he was doing what God had called him to do. We have, a, we have a goal in our church. We are, we, in other words, it's not just me, it's you. We have a goal. We want to see 40 people make a decision for Christ by the end of the year. We're about halfway right now already. But our work isn't done. Our work isn't done. COVID-19 has shut down our culture. It's put fear in people. Everybody isolates from one another. I believe that's from Satan. He wants to silence the church. 
I don't want to be silenced. I'm not going to let fear make me pull away and crawl into a hole. I want to be the messenger God's called me to be. I want you to be the same. We got 40 people with the Holy Spirit helping us. We're expecting God to give us a full 40. I want you praying for them and looking for the opportunity to bring them into the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We need to run to the Father and let Him send us out. Amen. Send me out, Lord. Lead us, Pastor David.